Welcome to In the Know with Erin Glow, a podcast bringing you information and inspiration from people in all walks of life. This is the Dream Factory founder, Nora Sophia. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of In the Know with Erin Glow. For today's episode, I have Nora Sophia. She is a native Texan, but would say she belongs to the world. She's the founder of the Dream Factory, where she's everyone's fairy godmother, and her mission is to remind everyone that dreams still do come true. So welcome to the show, Nora. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you, Erin. It's my pleasure. You have always been such an inspiration, especially with love. And so I'm just really happy to be a part of anything you're doing. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I, I feel the same way about you. Okay, so I just wanted to first dig a little into your background. So I just wanted to ask if you can tell me what you were like as a child, uh, where you come from. I know you're from Texas, but just give our listeners a little idea of how you grew up, whether there was a particular moment that helped you shift your thought process in life for the better, uh, or were you always just naturally a positive person, and what you think influenced you as a kid to get you to where you are today as an entrepreneur and a writer and, and many things. Thank you so much. That's a great question. And what's interesting is people who have known me all of my life, uh, which is all of five decades now, I'm 50 years old, um, would have said and described me as an introvert who was very quiet. I used to describe myself as a little girl who learned to live in the woods and come out when it was safe. That's how I felt emotionally. Um, The world was a big place and it was terrifying. (laughs) So it's it's really interesting as people witness who I am now uh, and why that came about. And the reason is, is because I didn't exercise my voice as a kid. I didn't know what my voice meant. I didn't even know what it wanted to say. And it was really interesting because in my, probably about my 30s, going through a lot of change in life at the time, going through a divorce, um, having to plan when I would have custody of my son, when his father would, and things like that, you really realize that you don't know who you are and you don't even know how you've gotten to the point in life that you're at. And it was as though I had lived on autopilot for too many decades. And that's when I decided to live into what I often say is if we don't learn to use our voice, someone will take it. Wow. That's powerful. (laughs) It really is. It's that moment though, that I think when we choose to live into, as Joseph Campbell so aptly put it, the hero's journey. And we realize that we can become the hero of our life. And we quit looking to externals to fill the voids within us. And we realize the treasure that has always been there. We just didn't know how to get to it. So that's my life's work now and my purpose. It's amazing. 
And do you feel like, because you said you were a very introverted child, I totally understand that. Do you think there's like a reason a lot of introverts tend to, I've noticed they tend to want to help others like themselves. Not that extroverts don't, but I feel like that's the path they choose a lot uh, in life with a career and, and all of that. Do you think there's a reason for that? Or is it just because they know what it feels like to kind of need that more so? You know, honestly, it's really interesting and, and it's fascinating because part of my work involves studying um, neuroplasticity and sort of what is innate and what is learned and how do we become who we are. And the fascinating thing is, as you, to your question about uh, introverts versus extroverts, they did studies, these neuroscientists with babies, and they played loud rock music. The introverts that would later become introverts in life, because as infants, they don't know, cried. They didn't like it. It was too loud. And these other babies who would end up being extroverts didn't mind it at all. (laughs) And it's really funny because for me, I am very sensitive to noise and I'm still an introvert. I've learned to function as an extrovert for my work. And I do get energy when I'm pouring into people in a positive way. I'm a natural encourager. In order to do that, I have to retreat inward. I have to have my solitude. Uh, And I believe that we're probably more aware of others because we tend to be observers. Extroverts are looking for the excitement when they're out or to be the excitement. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And I think introverts are more aware of other because we're sort of taking everything in and we're watching. So I think that we're drawn to to that that hypervigilance in a way that can compel us uh, for a calling or a purpose. Yeah, that's interesting. I That's funny you say that too about being sensitive to noise still because I am the same way. More so when it's unexpected noise, I tense up. I get very anxious. It's just crazy. <laughs> I'm the same way. I totally agree. All right, so tell us about the Dream Factory. You're the founder of the Dream Factory. So tell us a little bit about what that is and how did it come to be? The Dream Factory for me is is my dream. And it came to be because one day I was sitting with one of my clients who I do one-on-one with or executive leadership. And really as a life strategist, I would say, if somebody were to say, what do you do? I help people strategize for life. It could be somebody who is a CEO getting ready to retire and wants to understand what the next half of life will look like. Or it could be somebody who just graduated from university and realizes they maybe got a law degree and they don't really even like law. (laughs) So who am I and why am I here? The fairy godmother, as I say, is because people will say, I help them to understand that if anything is possibility and their ceiling is limitless, what would they want to do? What would this one beautiful wild heart want to be and function as? Who do you want to inspire? And so I sit with people for beautiful amounts of time and we go inward. 
in order to go outward, it has to be that way. Because often the blocks that we have that prevent us from seeing the path clearly have to almost be uncovered by someone you trust and someone who knows how to take you along that path to uncover those spaces that were often overlooked. And we just think life's been chaotic or suddenly I've changed. There's no suddenlies. (laughs) They happen somewhere along the way and we lose our authentic self. We lose that part of our design that is truly inherent. And I get to get I get to really go back with people and help them find who they were long before the wounds, the labels, and the experiences that put them on a detour. So their true their true self, their deep inner self. I forget the mm-hmm. word, but Oprah uses a term for that, I remember. Yes. Oh gosh, I used to say I was going to be the Mexican Oprah. I would always <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I could totally see I, it. <laughs> I love it. And I would just, I was an Oprah junkie. My gosh. And now I love Super Soul Sunday and all her stuff because oh, yes. she really pioneered the way. She pioneered the way for us to understand that we are mind, body, spirit. Yes. Yes. She did. She talks about um, using the internal compass, I remember. And that's so mm-hmm. important. And yeah, yes. we're so blocked by so many things. And sadly, some people don't even really realize it. And they just go about their day living in a way that where they could be so much happier. And I think it's... Absolutely. I think you're great to exactly what you said. You help people find those breakthroughs. You got to get break through all that other stuff on top to get to who you really are. Absolutely. Yes. And you said you're doing something else right now as well. You want to talk about? Sure. Yes, I am. So... I have most recently, gosh, it's been only within the last month, joined a global online education platform. I think that during COVID, we all experienced obviously sheltering in place, but we realized there was a whole virtual world and we relied on it for connection. So The uh, education platform is called Sabra, like the hummus. (laughs) That's how I remember it. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) it's really fun because it truly is global. We have five arms of the school in five different languages. So there's Korean, English, Spanish, Arabic, and what did I miss? German, maybe? Um, Really exciting. The thing is, we rely on subtitles so often, like we're watching a movie that's maybe uh, an Asian-inspired movie, so the English subtitles are on the bottom, or an Italian movie. But the thing is, they're not properly translated, so a lot gets lost. What we're doing with Sabra is what we call idiomatic translation, and that is people, first of all, not AI, people that understand the language and understand not to offend maybe with certain words or whatever. So they're natural to the culture, which makes it natural for the student. Uh, And I'm just so excited. So you can find me on there and I'll give the website later, but I'm going to get to teach a lot of my self-development courses um, for like $20. So it's going to be really reasonable and uh, create great conversation. That's incredible. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. 
Okay, so I was, you know, I'm, I follow you on social media. I look at what you do, I, and I love this. You have Nora-isms that you do on social media, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love yes. it. It's like yes. your words of wisdom, and you do workout videos. Yes. You have meditations, all of that, and you basically mm-hmm. are just encouraging people to be their best self, and you're doing that all through social media, which is, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I think if you use it for the right reasons like you're doing, it can be really beautiful. So why don't you tell us about that? What? How did you get that idea to do Nora-isms, workout videos, meditation? Did it all just come naturally because that's what you're trying to do in your platform? And where do you come that's up with your, your Nora-isms every, every time you post them? Is it just whatever's on your mind? <laughs> it be, well, it became sort of a running joke with people because they would say, that's a Nora-ism, you know, like, or that's tweetable. Um, everyone needs a Nora. That was another thing that everybody would always say. And I finally got to the point where I'd say, I need a Nora. If I'm that good, then I need one too. <laughs> yeah. But it was just these uh, little tidbits of wisdom. I've always been a fan of words since I was a kid. I've loved words and I would always say it even as a as a child I'm going to be a writer for Hallmark because to me back then that was the gold standard right um shout out to Hallmark cards but then I got to this point where I realized Erin that our words create worlds and when you think of this, this is hilarious. And there's a whole thing. Like, I feel like if I were ever a stand-up comic, which I would never be because I'm terrified as an introvert, but I would have a whole shtick about this because think about it. We all have words that if you use that word with me, it's like, you can't, that's a fighting word. If you say this, then that's a fighting word. And don't say it in this tone because then I think you're upset with me. And then somebody might say, well, what about this tone? Well, that tone's okay, but any higher, then I really, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I think, <laughs> right, what right. in the world is all that about? But it's true. And the words that end up birthing these worlds for us, when you think about, and I don't know about in your life, but for me and mine, I know that I can remember certain words or the way someone said something where I lost a friend, I ended a relationship because I was in such a negative space within myself at the time. And here I thought that I had the right to create a Nora vocabulary. (laughs) And, And if you didn't, you missed the, you know, the memo to put that within yourself when you spoke to me, then I was going to find offense. And I had to let that go. I really did because I realized that I was using boundaries in an improper way. And here's what I mean. And I think a lot of the world does, to be quite honest. We tend to think as of boundaries as protection. Even with, like if you watch Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, which I love. I love Yellowstone. And I probably love Yellowstone because of my Texas roots. So I totally get the cattle and like the fences that keep people out. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we are not cattlemen in our life. You know, maybe not all of us, but there's nothing to protect here. But what if, what if we look at boundaries instead of as protection, as preservation, because we're evolving and building into a higher self, then that makes more sense to me. 
And then we go from protection, which is defense, to preservation, which is offense. And not offense, but offense in the way of of really that beautiful model of, I just want to take care of what I'm working on. So it's a total different way of thinking of things. And see, this is like a Noraism moment. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's just like your whole perspective shifts and it's like, ah, the light. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you for that. That's that's amazing. I love like just hearing people, the way they come to say something. And and it's just, it's part of the reason I, I decided to start this podcast. Those moments like that. So you are all about positivity, helping people find positivity within themselves so that it can radiate out into the world. So can you tell me, though, a particular time that was hard for you, a struggle, Uh, just like you're helping people get through their struggles now, can you tell me a particular struggle you went through that was hard, that sticks out, and how did you get through that? You know, it's funny because just as we record this today, and obviously it's not released the same day we record it. So people will have to go back and look for what I'm talking about. But I recorded um, a short reel today on wound currency and how we, just like when, you know, you get all the ads for all these credit cards. And if you use our credit card at 0%, but you get all this mileage, like to fly and take trips. And so they're really encouraging you to use the credit card. Well, we can do that with our wounds and we build mileage because there's a payoff somehow. And this is how it manifested for me as a kid, when I would be anxious, um, which was often because my parents maybe fought a little too much, it would make me nervous. Or if I had to face something that I really didn't want to face, I would tend to get an upset stomach which is not unheard of for people that have anxiety for it to affect them in a gastric way. So I learned that if my wound of anxiety was triggered, then if I got sick, the payoff was I wouldn't have to deal with whatever was inciting me, right? So we create this sort of if this, then that within our world. And what we don't realize is Rather than learning to face the things that are hard, we have designed this exchange. And it keeps us from growing into the best version of ourselves. So I realized this and I went, okay, I can no longer, and this is, it's a harsh word, but I had to really learn it, Erin. I can no longer manipulate my world so that I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. all freaking do it. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy what, what you'll do and you don't even realize it. You think you're protecting yourself, but in the long run, you're really just running from, you know, what you really should be and, and your potential. Yes. And as a parent, I have to tell you, the best thing or with a friend or with your sweetheart, the best thing, the most loving thing that we can do is have empathy right? Of course, when something has gone terribly wrong or we're having a bad day, yes, sit with them in that space and maybe give yourself a limit. Like I'm going to do this with you three times. I'm going to say, I'm sorry that you experienced that. It must be terrible. I understand. But the fourth time I'm going to walk away. 
because I don't want to give you room to give your wound power. And that's a little shocking for people Mm -hmm. because we get used to in our culture, especially right now, well, then you're not being kind. No, actually, it's the kindest thing I can do for you. It's the kindest thing I can ask for you to do for me. Exactly. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Okay, so Nora, you recently found out that you are an intuitive empath. Can you tell me how you found that out and what kind of patterns you saw and anything that might even help others who, who are the same out there? Yes. So it's it's fascinating and terrifying, <laughs> but at the same time, it feels like coming home uh, because you realize all of the sort of very strange patterns that you've had suddenly all make sense. Uh, so for example, if I went to a restaurant that has loud music or was just loud in general, it was disturbing for me. And I couldn't understand why it seemed like within my own hearing, everything was amplified. Um, so if I went with friends, they didn't hear it amplified. And I would think, why is it so stinking loud in here? Or, you know, even airports and things like that. Um, the other thing is being aware that you can walk into a space where they're really, whether it's a lot of people or, or just a few people and almost automatically give it a, a name, a label of the emotion that you can feel. Um, I would have really uncanny experiences with clients where I had a sense that there was something more that was being experienced and I would describe it and just say, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. And I thought all those things were just weird, you know, and just kind of bizarre uh, sort of happenings. And I always felt different. But then I started listening to different podcasts wondering about this theme that I kept hearing about, which was highly sensitive people, because I thought, well, certainly I fit that. Um, So a highly sensitive person isn't necessarily an empath, but most empaths are highly sensitive people. Uh, So it's really interesting. And so the way you know the difference is this. A highly sensitive person may experience what you're feeling. I may be sitting with you, Erin, in a physical space or even like this online, and suddenly I can begin sort of experiencing something that doesn't feel right within myself, a sadness or even a joy or something like that. And, And then I can ask you, is this something that you're experiencing? And you can say yes or no. So there's that. The empath has that in addition, typically has a knowing with it. So it isn't just feeling, right? Like the highly sensitive person, but the empath has more of a knowing with the feeling. And that has been fun, yes, with my practice. So can you give me an example, a specific example of how you were sensitive and then you immediately knew with anybody or or anything? Sure, sure. I can be, for example, uh, with my online education um, part of my work. I can be sitting with someone seemingly just getting to know them. You know, it's the first time I've ever met anybody, so I've not ever had any dealings with them. Interviewing a teacher, for example, that wants to teach with the program. 
and I'll be sitting with them and suddenly, and this is interesting. So with me, my intuitive empath has sight as my first sort of, um, experience with people. So I may be seeing, um, a vision of someone, for example, one of the teachers, a young girl, uh, she wanted to teach philosophy. And I said, I don't understand why, but I'm experiencing this. And let me tell you what I see. And so she said, okay. I said, I'm experiencing the most beautiful, almost exotic looking flower, but it's really tightly closed. And this flower has the most beautiful colors underneath. But I said, I'm, I'm experiencing sort of this fear about people actually seeing the bloom. And it's, and so I just kept describing and she started crying and we're on zoom and I've never met her. (laughs) She said, this is what I'm experiencing right now with, with trying to explore my career and explore. And she started explaining that she literally was just telling someone that morning that she feels like a flower that hasn't bloomed. Well, this is what I was seeing. Wow. Yeah. And so that's one example. And then another one is talking with one of my clients. And I said, when is your exit from this position? And the person said, why is that? And I said, because I'm having a, a knowing that you're going to receive another offer. And I believe that it's our job right now, you and I, to prepare your leaving the company and leaving it in good hands. So this person went on to tell me that 30 minutes prior, they had just received this offer. And so it's just like, what in the world? But I could feel it. I could feel sort of the teeming excitement. And I could see a door being opened. And it was a door that this person had never gone through before. And I knew that in what I was seeing. And so the more, it's interesting because the more that I've accepted that this is part of who I am, the more vivid and the more regular the experiences have become. When you're not resisting, I've actually heard that before um, from people who are intuitive and past. They say that, yeah, when, when they're resisting, it's worse. But then when they open up to it, it's almost like that's what they're meant to do in, in some ways. Yes, yes. I And I believe that's probably true with just about anything, you know, what we are not agreeing to cannot really be in our life because we're sort of not allowing the permissions needed. It's like blocking pop-ups on your laptop. Um, if you, you have to change the firewall settings and then you can see everything. And, and I think that there's varying degrees of how empaths experience things. But the other thing that's interesting for me is I have a photographic memory. I've always had that since I was a kid. So sight has always been my first go-to with everything. So that's how you see things. I know some people can hear, some people can like just feel or smell even. It's Mm -hmm. different things, right? Yeah, so. Yes, it's your senses, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. When did you realize, like it just dawned on you, I know last week I believe it was, or a couple weeks ago you told me? It's been a couple weeks, right? A couple weeks, Mm -hmm. okay. So now you've had a couple weeks to absorb it. What are your next steps with this? I know you added this to your website, your description of yourself. What do you plan on on doing? Do you plan on branching out even more with with this particular 
um, I do. And, and I, yeah, well, I think that just being able to be public with it. I mean, this is my coming out party <laughs> with Aaron. <laughs> um, and so I'm sort of excited about that because I feel like it was the right time and, and you were the right person. Um, there is a stigma just like there is about anything that doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel normal for people. So I always say I'm for everybody, but I'm not for everybody. And so my hope is that as I put that out there, those that are that feel led to experience what it is would absolutely give me a call and let me walk them through whatever it is. Where I find it so helpful is in helping people remove obstacles that have been blocks for them, especially in their career and in their personal life or career to remove limiting beliefs because we have emotional blind spots to them. Often we don't even know them, but if I can sit with someone long enough and, and, and ask questions, invariably the body doesn't lie, neither does energy. We can lie because we want to hide things. We can lie because we don't want to be exposed. And so my my hope and my courage in discovering this is that, that I would not hide it, but that I would actually be proud um, to say that this is who I am. This is how I'm made. And uh, I'm looking forward to next steps. Amazing. So they can reach out to you and we'll give you your contact information at the end of the episode. But they can reach out to you and you're willing to help them with this gift you have. I mean, I call it a gift. I'm sure you see it that way too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't tell you. What's interesting for me is this. There's been literally decades of my life that I wish I could go back and redo. And what's odd is it's almost like the saying, the barber son has the longest hair. Like <laughs> they never get a place, you know, in the seat. And I feel like sometimes it's right under our nose to be able to connect back to our own intuition and yet, and and those are the things like, and yet, you have to go into the and yet to figure out why you've been missing that. Because to me, it is a gift. However, I believe that we're all capable of moving and, and thinking and experiencing from our intuition. What is it that we're afraid to experience? What is it we're afraid to let go of? What is it we're afraid to not see? That keeps us from fully living like at a hundred percent. So we're we're holding it back, really. Our potential a lot of a lot of the time we don't even realize it until we, we yes. open ourselves up to that. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you've found this new ability and and, and you're gonna do great things with it. Um I'm not surprised at all because you are you're a very nurturing uh, person and, and you seem to read people very well. And that's one of the reasons I asked Thank you to be on the podcast. So, <laughs> it's, I it's- appreciate that. Thank, and I'm glad it's you that I'm sharing this with, with everyone uh, on that listens and in the world. Yeah, so I found you accidentally on social media <laughs> when I was yes. I was looking for inspirational people. And, and I, I do videos sometimes where I try to inspire people. And, and I came up with this concept for love. And I thought it would be really interesting to record some family members, some friends, and some strangers to ask them basic questions about love. What What do you think love means? How do you practice self-love? You know, how do you show love to the world? Just like I think it was four basic questions. 
And it really mm-hmm. helped, I think, to show how similar we are, but also how we can, our perspectives, basically, a lot of the time, we're just saying the same thing, just in a different perspective with different eyes where we've uh, where we've been so you were a part of that video and you very graciously answered the questions and your answers were amazing they were really really just insightful and brought so much to the video so i thank you so much for that and i will leave a link to the video um in the description so people if they want to see it it is a couple years old now i believe but yeah how has love been a factor in your life what are some of your favorite ways to be loved and for you to love? I am so excited that you asked that question because I think that just like knowledge and wisdom, right? Here's another Noraism. I speak in metaphor and people, and I write in metaphor, which is really funny. Uh, and I don't realize it till people go, you just did it again. But, <laughs> but Knowledge is to learn something, but wisdom is to know how to apply it and when. And for me, for the longest time, I had even, I mean, that's even changed from two years ago when I was a part of your beautiful uh, expression uh, with all your amazing friends and family. And really and truly, I would say that within the last year and a half of my life, did I come to understand love in a different way, in a really powerful way? Because up until then, I can honestly say that I was probably very afraid to be loved in the fiercest way. And I saw myself when I was really honest in my own time of understanding me as probably the little girl in the frozen movie that had to live far away because she thought she would just hurt everyone. And that's probably a big reason why I do what I do too, because I want people to understand that you may feel like an anomaly. You may feel like you don't fit in. You may feel like nobody gets you, but I promise you that the moment that you first quit speaking those things about who you are and really take time to sit with yourself, you'll find the value that probably other people see, but you probably didn't hang out long enough for them to, to really experience. So I went on a journey of love and with love. And I will tell you that it really, it, it makes me really sentimental because I would say within the last year and a half, I understand what it is to love myself in the way that I offered love to other people. And so now it goes from being only one dimensional to almost seven dimensional or something crazy because not only do I get to give it the way that I have my whole life, but I've learned to receive it in the same way. And it's been the most powerful time for me. That's beautiful. I love that. I can just hear in Thank your you. voice just the, the power of it, you know, power of love. <laughs> So many songs are called. It really is. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that, you know, love, this is a perfect time to segue and take a break for Love Letter Break.
Now, I asked Nora, as I do with all my guests, to come up with one to three people to express gratitude for in her life that have made a difference and give them a little message, a sentence, a phrase, whatever she wants to say. So, Nora, who did you choose for your love letter break and What would you like to say to them? So there's actually three, and the first one is my son, Jake. And to him, it's about loving me even when it was hard, loving me even when he didn't agree with what I was asking him to do or maybe even my life choices and loving me anyway and loving me enough to go on his own journey to find himself. Because to me, that is the greatest gift a parent in the moment will think that, what about me? You know, they're doing this on their own. It's actually a nod that they can go do that. There's strength there. So to Jake. The next one is to my sweetheart for hanging in there with me with patience as I do learn to love myself so that I could receive his. And finally, to my inner child, to the wounded one who never gave up on me being able to give her love to. I love that. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so beautiful, inner Thank child. You, you bring this people. out in me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, the whole point. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's amazing. And I don't feel like people get, I don't know if it's get the opportunity or just, we don't stop for a moment to just really thank people and, and, you know, express what we feel for them. Not that we don't feel it, but we don't take the time to express it because it's just, I just find like a lot of people don't do it until someone passes away or it's a, a special mm-hmm. occasion or something, you know, and why not just do it in life every once in a while? Just, you know, just feel gratitude for those people and, and for yourself. And like you said, your inner child. Well, you know, what's interesting and this, my, my sweetheart would tell you if, if he were here, but I get to pack a lunch for him when he goes off and has to do something where he'll be gone all day. And um, I put a note in every lunch for him to remind him. And they're different every time. But when my son was playing competitive tennis and would have to go away for tournaments, I would put a note in his tennis bag. And I've always been thoughtful that way. But that's what I'm saying, Erin, is before... I could love the world that way. My parents, I'm like, I am not going to wait for you to be on your deathbed. As you said, you're going to hear this from me right now. And I'm going to tell you how thankful I am and all the things you did. So I'm really good about that. But I was never good about that with myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people think about it. Like, what do you love about yourself today? Every day I'm grateful I make a list and we all do this, right? And I think of times when people have been super sweet and when I didn't expect the abundance or the gratitude from them. But I also make it a point to tell myself what I love about me today. And I think we all should. Definitely. We should. I mean, we can't run away from ourselves. (laughs) You know, we can't. It's we are who we are and why not make the best of it? Yeah, exactly. People just need to be kind to themselves. Yes. Okay, so we're going to go into the second half here. What would you say um, are the top three things on your bucket list? You can say something you've already achieved that you've wanted to do for a long time or something that you're still waiting to do or just, you know, whatever's on your bucket list right now. Top three things and what have you done to get to those? 
I love this question. <laughs> so we've already heard I want to be the Mexican Oprah. Oprah, if you're listening, have me on Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be so much fun. I would sit there and do her to her. Like I would not be starstruck. I'd just be like, girl, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it would be so fun. So that's definitely, I believe that will happen. And I visualize it every freaking day. I sit on the couch and I'm like, okay, Oprah, what are we talking about today? So yes, I will do that. And then my second thing on my bucket list is to travel for a period of time, whether it's a year or six months, where I literally just get to stop off in many cities, countries, whatever, and I'm depositing inspiration and love to people. I would love, love that. Like it would be the dream factory tour. And I work toward that every day by doing what I do. I mean, literally, unless I'm sick or something's going on, daily I post. And I believe that uh, I'm doing it in a certain way that way, but I want to travel and do it. I think that'd be fun to have like live events and that would be awesome. And the third thing is to celebrate. It's not like a bucket list. It's just like a thing that I want to do, but to to get to the point where every day is a celebration, no matter what's happening, no matter what that. And it's an aspiration of mine that I work on daily because I think it was the Dalai Lama who said, that is the ultimate Zen is to have peace no matter what is happening in your day. And I believe that. Every day is a celebration. You're right. That would change everything. If we saw every good and bad thing as a, something to be grateful for. What do you think when people call things bad? Are you, do you think there are bad things or do you think there are only like opportunities and these bad things are showing us the way to the light? I don't like labels. Gosh. And it's funny mm -hmm. because my family would tell you or my sweetheart that I drive them crazy and they'll say, freaking Pollyanna, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> because I will always say, now, really, you know, the thing is problem solving is solution finding. We, If we didn't have problems, we wouldn't be being creative towards solutions. And so I think that it's all a matter of perspective. I believe that we have the opportunity to consider what something has come to teach us. And it's interesting. I used to suffer from anxiety attacks when I was quite young, as I mentioned earlier. And the other day I started feeling it again. I hadn't had one in years, years. So it was like, this is interesting and I, to be fair, I was in the middle of Walmart, which can give anyone an anxiety attack, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're an introvert and there's so much going on. But I was hanging laundry on a line. And yes, I do do that. Fresh air is amazing for laundry and for you. But when I was hanging the laundry, I asked myself and really asking anxiety, I know that you're here as a visitor. What have you come to teach me? And that's how I put it. And then I said, where do I feel this in my body? And what do I know about this as truth? And invariably, 
the answer was revealed within my spirit. I believe that. And when I realized what had triggered it, then I was able to meditate and sort of quell it and and heal that part of me that needed to speak. And this is so much of what I do in my work with people is don't make the signals that your body's trying to give you. Don't silence those. It's like my video I shared yesterday. Another one that people are going to have to go back and find is I was pouring a glass of water and I let it spill over on purpose. And I said, this is like overwhelm, except we see it in the physical. So we can know that, oh, we over, we are overflowing with water. But when we are overwhelmed in life, that has been percolating. Like that's not just one day. So the way that our brain functions is what you are thinking about presents itself 30 days later. Isn't that crazy? So if you're thinking about something that's stressing you out, in 30 days, you will see it. That's just the way our amygdala and the hippocampus and all neuroplasticity, that's how it works. And that's why we have to be so aware of what we are calling things, to your point, good or bad, and what we carry around us in terms of energy, because it all matters. And it's why I'm Pollyanna. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are worse things you could be, that's for sure. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's such a good point. 30 days. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So the age 18 seems to have a lot of significance in society um, and just, you know, America. We're considered legally an adult when we're 18. I feel like some people aren't really adults when they're 18 and some people have been adults way before that depending on their circumstances and or or I don't even know what you would define as an adult but if you want to consider it someone who's responsible all those things so what would you tell your 18 year old self now if you could I would probably say to myself at that age you are going to make it you feel completely lost right now. But my goodness, when you see the rest of the story and you even get better looking than you are now, (laughs) (laughs) which is so funny. And I hear that all the time. People say, how in the world? And I'm like, you know what? I was a really late bloomer. Um, Yeah. I wanted to hide at 18. I didn't want to be known. I wanted to disappear. And it took a lot for me, Erin, to say, okay, if you have something to share and you believe that, then you better be worthy of the attention that you will command and rise into yourself. And that's really the same advice that I would say to her at 18, to my sweet little Nora. And I would say, I know that I ignore you an awful lot, but when I finally learn the lessons, I am going to love you big. Nice. Yeah, I feel like when we're 18, we feel like we should feel like an adult because of all that pressure and we should feel like we know what we want. We know it. Oh my gosh. Like looking back at your 18 year old self, I feel like most people would say that they're a totally different person (laughs) than who they are in their 30s or 40s or 50s. It's it's crazy. So yeah, we're, we're always learning and that is beautiful what you said. 
Okay, so as everyone's fairy godmother, what's three pieces of advice you'd give others needing to find the light in the darkness? So three pieces of advice. So it's interesting because I always ask these questions of my folks. And that is one, are you willing to challenge your fear of life becoming unreasonable? And the reason is, is because life is unreasonable. (laughs) We think it's reasonable because we find security in things we should not find security. Yeah. So there's that, right? I would ask someone, would they agree that they've embellished the facts that of others' point of view of what they say about them? In other words, do you agree with the labels others have placed upon you? And if so, why? Why are we believing those embellished facts? Because they're probably not facts at all. And the third thing I would ask is, do you have a personal code of honor for yourself? And the reason is, is because a lot of people don't have an honor code. And the only way we know when we are in the light or on the right path is when we finally quit betraying ourselves. That's true. Can you like elaborate a little more on the code of honor? Yeah, absolutely. So imagine that the best way to describe it in our day and time is online dating. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is, is because When you are looking for a relationship, you have your must-haves and your can't-stands, right? Sometimes we overlook those things, but invariably, you know what those are. Or say you're looking even for real estate, like I must have a big kitchen. I don't care if I have a smaller outdoor area, whatever it is. But it's weird. We have personal codes of honor for everything but ourselves. Crazy. (laughs) So when we have a code of honor within ourself, it's that what are we willing to uphold? What are we willing to preserve? What do we love about ourselves that we will not allow someone to taint, to tell us is not right, or to question? We have to learn to love ourselves before we can even think of loving another in the way that we want to be loved, by the way, because that was the mistake that I made. I'm going to give all this love and what it turns into is performance. It isn't love because it's being given from a well that doesn't even exist. And we're willing to change the script based on who's in front of us. When we have a code of honor, that is who we are. And that does not change no matter who is in front of us. True. You just kind of talked about this in a way, but how do you handle negative people that you have to be around, you know, on a regular basis or just in general negative people that you come across once? This is really good. And I had to learn this the hard way, but it's often the people that we deem as negative. It's because they reflect something in us. We don't want to see. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, that's, that's interesting. And a lot of people oh, don't want to admit that myself included. It's terrible. It's terrible. And, and I'll give you an example. There was, I have a friend who um, maybe 
you know, on social media, for example, she does a lot of um, videos of just dancing carefree. And I think, what is wrong with her, right? Like it's a negative. Why does she want to do it? Doesn't she see that other people, and then, and here comes the judgy voice in my head. But you know what? The reality is that I would be so stinking afraid of doing that. And that's why I'm judging her. That's why I'm perceiving it in that way. It's my own fear. It has nothing to do with her. Mm. So often when we call somebody out for being, it's like, ooh, okay, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let me look at myself first and then wonder, where do I, okay, yeah. mm -hmm. And then invariably, it's who we are. But what if you don't like agree with what they're doing? Like you would, wouldn't do that even if you felt like you could. Is that something you, you, then you would just wouldn't judge them? Again, you know, it's, it's, for example, um, if somebody has a very outspoken way and they're just like a bully, you know, something like that, where I feel like, you know what, I'm going to step in and I'm going to say something about that. There's, there is not, maybe not necessarily like it's within you. Um, I'm projecting cause I'm a bully, but it's always teaching us something about ourselves. So I think that for example, um, I'm trying to think of the last time that I had this and it's worse when it's with family, right? Like I just, I don't even agree with you and I don't want to be in the same room with you right now. And it's, it's like, it's, I'm so aggravated with you and I don't even know what to do with that. So I think that first of all, if it's family, then you have the opportunity to clarify, why is this person presenting in this way? Is it true to who they always are or is this something new? And so you get to wonder and then we get to step in and have conversation. If it's somebody that is in the public, you know, that you really don't know. So for example, the other day when I was paying in line at the store, there was a person that in front of me and you could see that this person was elderly and she was struggling a bit and the cashier must have been having a bad day and so she was really wrongfully being impatient with this person in my opinion but see I judged it and I said she was wrongfully doing this that's what we do so when we tend to have a problem with someone it's because it doesn't align with what we believe in our value system what why else would it bother us You know, it might be somebody who's like, well, yeah, stinking grandma should stay home, (laughs) whatever it is. But instead, what I did was, you know, I helped the grandma kind of get her stuff together so she could pay sooner because this this person was having a hard time. And then when she was done, I asked the cashier, I said, are you having a bad day? And she looked at me. She said, what do you care? I said, because we are feeling the spillage of it clearly. Right. So I want you to have joy in your day. I want you to wonder about, do you need to go home early? Because maybe you just need to have some self-care today. And then she kind of looked down and laughed because then she realized. But I think it's when we're, we're willing to see the humanness in somebody and wonder what could be causing them to act that way. Where are they hurting? What do they need? They need a hug. I mean... <laughs> 
Because nobody just wants to be a bastard. That's my favorite word, so I'm sorry if I shouldn't have said No, that's, you know, it's funny. My friends and I, we, we always make a joke and we call, like, rat bastards. Yes! You're my people! This is such a funny-sounding word to me. I don't know. I, I don't even know where it comes from, but I'm like, no. yeah, yeah, I'm down with that. So <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite, like, Bastard derogatory away. term. Bastard. <laughs> yeah. So it's really funny. It's like, okay, you didn't really mean to be a bastard. So I think it's that we give people the benefit of the doubt because I would hope that people would do the same for me. Right, exactly. It's true. We can't all be happy all the time. That's not – the yeah. goal is not to be happy every day. The goal is to know how to navigate your feelings, I think. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so if listeners want to find you, uh, reach out to you for help or, or you're doing classes as well, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So people can find me. The quickest way is to uh, find me on social media. So on Facebook, I'm Nora Sophia. On Instagram, I'm the Nora Sophia, which is kind of fun. Uh, on LinkedIn as well as Nora Sophia. And then on uh, my website, it's norasophia.com. And then you can always find me um, on uh, our educational platform, which is Sabra, S A B R A. Edu.com. Great. And that's Sophia with a P. PH. Yep. There are many paths to Nora Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're not hard to find, and that's a that's a blessing. I have a YouTube, but I don't really exercise it well. Um, so I'm on there too. And from what I understand, I am a movie star in Germany. I was hijacked by uh yeah, so shout out to my Berlin people. <laughs> 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 my videos were taken and put on the website for membership. Nora Sophia is Harmony, and she's an actress, apparently. Wow. Really? I know it can happen. Yeah. Is that something you it could happens. you could uh, take down if you wanted? No, because YouTube is, is, is out there for everyone. It's for public consumption. Uh, there's really – it's hard to prove intellectual property. But as a result, I have a lot of these great people on my Instagram following me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Okay. Yeah, sure. There you why go. not? I'll take that publicity. See, that's, that's what you do. You're finding the positive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. And do you – so are you like a life coach? Do you offer that or is it just something just through your, um, your company? all of it. So if people want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, I love it. Um, and really what, from what I hear, what makes me different is I'm such an intuitive. So I literally will sit with you and say, this is what I see. And I process visually. So it's really interesting because I think that's why I, I'm metaphoric because everything for me is about a story and it's about the vision of who someone is. So I may not ever meet you. I can sit with you on Zoom and suddenly I'm like, Have, what about this, this, and this? And then they're like, how in the heck do you even know that? So it's a weird, fun, sixth sense kind of gift I have uh, that really lets me uh, move within a person in an odd way, but in a great way, because it leads them to a lot of breakthrough because sometimes I get to see what they've not even reveal to other people okay yeah so definitely go to your your social media i highly recommend it yes. <laughs> i feel better after i visit thank your page you. every time thank you you're welcome 
Okay, so for the last question, Nora, I ask everyone the same last question on every episode. Uh, besides, I do themed episodes as well, where it's like multiple people on them. I don't do it then, but I do it for these one-person episodes. And it is inspired by a social anxiety disorder I had as a child and like in my early teen years. It was called selective mutism. And a lot of people haven't heard of it, but it's basically when a child is so anxious they can't speak out loud in certain social situations in front of certain people. I couldn't even speak to some of my family members who I wasn't close to at the time. And I had to go through that. And luckily, you know, I got out of it. I went to therapy, all of that. But what it's helped me realize is the importance of using your voice, which you said in the beginning of this uh, interview. So I came up with this question that I thought is a really good question to ask people to kind of really think about, you know, the importance of this. And just it shows a lot about a person's personality, and I thought it'd be fun to ask. So it is, uh, if you could only say one more sentence or phrase out loud one more time for the rest of your life, what would it be? Find the courage within you. Love it. Wow. I really think, you know, I was designed to be exactly what I'm doing. And that is if I could change the world because I change one other person and then one other person, one other person, it would just, I would know that I fulfilled my life's calling. Yeah. I I totally agree. I feel like that's what we're here for. We are, we're here on a journey and if we can leave it better than when we first came in, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing all your amazing answers. I loved your answers so much. Everyone go check Nora out. She's amazing. Her social media will leave you feeling like, you know, a burst of sunshine just came into your phone or computer or whatever you're using. Aw, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I just want to thank you, if I could. Yeah. Because the thing is, Erin, if there were more people that were willing to not only take the time, but pursue their voice as you have, especially given the challenge that you had as a child, then we would change the world. And it takes that one decision that leads to other lives being willing to make a decision too. So thank you for you. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot. It really does. All right, and as always, I'm going to end on a relative inspirational quote. This one's from author Jennifer Elizabeth Moore. The greatest paradox of the universe is that whatever we resist persists, while whatever we accept transforms. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Check out the podcast's new Instagram page. That's at Aaron Glow Podcast. And make sure you rate and leave comments if you can, because that'll definitely help the podcast show up quicker in searches and reach a wider audience. So hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.